It doesn't matter if they're down the hall or across the street. Being in community with other people can be hard work. We've probably all experienced a noisy neighbor or an inconsiderate coworker who doesn't seem to be aware of how their actions affect others. How do we address those problems with the people we live and work with in a way that doesn't make things worse? Welcome to episode 11 of How Can I Say This, where we talk about how to find the right words when words escape us. I'm your host Beth Bilo, and I am really pleased that you have decided to share this time with me. In this episode, I have a conversation with Derek Pratt, founder of Forward with Purpose Inc. We discuss how to move through conflict in communities, as well as how to have more harmonious relationships with your neighbors, whether you share a street, a wall, or an office. Here's a little bit of Derek's story. He dropped out of high school and has lived on his own since the age of 16. But then, after earning his GED at 19, he enrolled at Cuyahoga Community College in his mid-20s and earned an associate degree in IT. He later earned a bachelor's degree in IT from David N. Myers University and a master's degree from Strayer University. After 12 years in IT and human resources, Pratt decided to pursue the battle against homelessness full time. He left his job and began working as an advocate for people living in apartment communities, mainly subsidized housing, as a mediator focused on landlord-tenant issues. In January of 2018, he launched Forward with Purpose Inc., an organization that provides services that help overcome barriers to housing stability. You can find links to connect with Derek on the episode webpage at howcanisaythis.com. Hi Derek, welcome to How Can I Say This? I'm thrilled to be welcoming you to the podcast today. Thank you, Beth. I'm very happy to be a part of it. Well, I am so intrigued by your story. and the work you do in the world how did you come to connect conflict resolution with housing stability and self-sufficiency with the result being the as we heard in the introduction the formation of your organization forward with purpose inc you know beth i'll tell you conflict resolution i think is something that you know we all face daily and um you know finding ways to manage that conflict is essential and this goes back to even my childhood I guess a little bit of my background. I worked um, with people with developmental disabilities. I was a behavior coach. This is in the late '90s, and you know, doing that, I realized the power of de-escalating conflict. Uh, my role was to really go in and and make sure when you know if someone was fall, slipping into psychosis or something, be able to be there and help support them and. Pretty much de-escalate the situation and try to help prevent them from being institutionalized or re-institutionalized, and I did that for a couple years, and um, and I fell in love with the power of resolving conflict and, and and the ability to help remove barriers for people who are facing conflict. So you know, throughout my career,、um, I've always found that I've leaned towards being that type of problem solver. You know, I had a background in human resource management in HR. That's you know a big part of your job responsibility、yeah. is to resolve conflict、um, amongst employees and between management and staff. So doing that, I, you know, led me into exploring conflict resolution in academia. So I started looking into a PhD program that、um, had a focus on conflict resolution. Um, and around that time, I reached out to a local community mediation center to see how I can get involved as a volunteer and help learn more about you know mediation as a tool to resolving conflict. And that 
right there, I think, is when I really got exposed to a huge need in our community. You know, we were working in different homeless shelters, helping to uh, resolve conflict within the homeless shelter, um, in addition to helping people from um, being evicted, um, essentially, from the homeless shelter for um, maybe policy violations or resident conflicts. Um, We could go in and we could try to help um, the best that we could defuse those situations and keep them from escalating to a point where someone was being kicked out. So I started asking the question, uh, what happens when people find housing, they move from the homeless shelter and they get housing? Um, What type of support is there for them to help them from re-entering back into this environment? Mm -hmm. And I couldn't get a lot of answers. Like There was really no continuum of housing that you could really look at and show how conflict resolution skills that we were providing within a shelter can help in different areas and stages of someone's journey in housing. And so I started reaching out to different housing professionals, property managers. I had a friend at the time, and still do, who was a vice president for a housing developer, and started asking those types of questions. And through that exploring, I ended up taking a position with a, a national housing developer as the director of resident advocacy. And in that role, a large part of my responsibility was to help property managers, was to help the tenants on the property resolving conflict and, and, and getting involved in, in disputes and helping de- de-escalate those disputes. So just basically from there, you know, using those conflict resolution skills via mediation or just de-escalation tactics, I was able to go in and help people from essentially getting evicted um, or getting into positions where they're finding themselves facing eviction due to the escalation of some of the conflicts they were in. Yeah. What strikes me as you're talking about, particularly with the homeless shelters, is that you're offering them a tool of something that helps them with maintaining dignity. Yes and a a really crucial life skill. Um, We often think of someone who might be in that kind of situation as just trying to survive at any cost. And what I'm hearing is that by acknowledging the conflict and holding them as someone who can move through that, you know, resolve it, um, have those coping skills, it's really seeing them as fellow human beings. And I, and I say that not because I don't see it that way, but because as a society, we can forget and overlook. And, and it sounds like you're really trying to give them tools, like I said, to help them see themselves as somebody who can handle something like that. Absolutely. And I think it's critical that we, we are giving everyone a voice mm-hmm. and making sure that everyone is empowered enough to address these types of issues in their lives themselves um, given, you know, if you can help develop people and give them those communication tools, give them that, that's something that will carry on with them throughout their life, not just in that situation. Because eviction, being in a homeless shelter, people are in crisis. Yeah. And we have to, we have to understand that and understand that, you know, when someone's in a state of crisis, they're not at their best. Yeah. Yeah. So when you put that hat on of empathy and you start understanding where, addressing people where they are mm-hmm. and, and understanding where they are. And, and, and I think that you're, you're better equipped to have more of an open ear. I think, I think, that's, I think that's very important. Yeah. Um, it's very important to, to understand that people are in crisis in these situations. And we have to be there and help support them yeah. the best we can. That's what I'm hoping to do uh, with Forward With Purpose is to really get out there, engage our communities, help give them whatever tools necessary to help them engage in conflict constructively so that we all can um, live a more cohesive, better life. Yeah. 
And before I move on to my next question, I'm curious if there are other models similar to Ford with Purpose, like you're in Ohio. Yes. Are there other communities that have something similar? Like if somebody's in listening to this and saying, wow, this is really interesting. I'm curious how I can get involved. Yes. I would reach out to your local community mediation center. I think it's a good, good place to start. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, I was very blessed to to work with a community mediation center out of Cleveland, Ohio. And, you know, whether it be a volunteer, I was on their board of directors for a period of time and and also worked as the interim director through a merger, Mm. uh, which lasted about 10 months. And so, you know, I know that community mediation center stays very busy because there's a lot of work to be done. But what I've done with Forward with Purpose is not just mediate. Sometimes as a mediator you know, you feel like your hands are tied when you're helping people through conflict because you, you you may approach the situation as a third party neutral. And at the end of the mediation, um, you walk away and there's no more support that you're really able to give. Mm-hmm. So we look at each situation for what it is and we can offer more than just a mediation. So post mediation, we can help explore ways that if, if we're dealing with a tenant landlord situation where someone was facing eviction, help facilitate that dialogue. But in the end, what barriers did we discover that exist that's preventing this person from being able to stabilize their housing and maybe offer some support um, to help get them the right resources, help them develop a plan to overcome those barriers so they're not in that situation again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really a holistic approach. Absolutely. It's not just a couple hours in a room together hashing out your differences. It's much more wraparound. That's right. Absolutely. We want to be more engaged and we want to um, be more part of that process um, to help them overcome that, you know, what got them there in the first place. Well, one of the things that we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast is interpersonal conflict, you know, between two people. But we know that that's just a microcosm of what happens on a larger community level. In your work, what have you witnessed as being the biggest barrier to communities being able to have civil conversations about matters of importance to the whole? I think what I've seen is the lack of trust. And what I mean by that is trusting Hmm. um, that you have a safe space and a place to have that open and honest dialogue. And I'm thinking specifically about the issue of homelessness Mm -hmm. and um, I walked from Cleveland, Ohio to Washington, D.C. this summer to raise awareness on the the issues of homelessness. And I walked through so many different communities and talked to hundreds of people. Um, the reason for that walk is to engage people, not through a computer or through mailings. Um, it's to really find people where they are, whether it be in a cafe or a convenience store, and have those conversations and have that honest dialogue. And I, and I was able to do that. And I tell you, it was, it was amazing, but a lot of people, I think they're reserved in being open and honest about how they feel about situations and feel like they're not going to be judged, Mm -hmm. um, because of how they feel. And if people can feel like they're in a safe space to be able to, um, honestly talk about the issues that they have around a particular topic, I think that they're more inclined to do so. And, I think from there, you know, the interest there, I think, can lead them to opening their ears more and, and listening to what other people have to say in their positions and starting to learn that there's more sides to this issue than what they originally thought. So I think it will go back to trusting a, uh, that there's a safe space to be able to 
share their ideas and thoughts. Mm-hmm. Do you think that part of the barrier of, of being able to have trust is that these conversations are often happening in a very public forum? It might be the city council meeting or some other place where it's you're rather vulnerable or exposed and, and emotions run high. Yes. Have you seen any models besides perhaps the, the public square that facilitate the kind of trust that you're talking about? You know, like say somebody's listening and they have some power over how these kinds of conversations happen. What can they do to build that trust? That's a good question. I think and in terms of finding that right model, you know, I'm still exploring that myself and and trying to see what that platform looks like. And I think that sometimes it, you, you may start with smaller groups mm-hmm. um, and have more focus group discussions before having a big public, you know, like you say, a town square discussion where it's more one directional. And then maybe a few brave people will stand up and, and maybe speak their, you know, what's concerning them, maybe having more roundtable discussions with smaller groups. I think people may have more, be a little more brave to share with eight to 12 people than a room with 100 people in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, it's really in, ensuring people involved that, you know, what's said there stays there mm-hmm. and making it a safe space and um, ensuring confidentiality. And so people don't feel like, you know, that they're going to share something and, and it's going to come back to them in any fashion. And I know the YWCA, you know, I participated in a, in a program around race and it was conversation I, you know and I, and I apologize I don't remember the exact name of it but it was around having mm-hmm. conversations about race and what they did was they trained facilitators to be a part of this huge session where you were able to facilitate at a table of say eight people who come from different randomly placed at this table and you're able to start utilizing like a circle conversation process where you sat around a round table and everyone took turns sharing. So, you know, it it created a good safe space for people to start sharing um, their thoughts on race and their, you know, what their experiences with race are. And uh, I think that was pretty successful in the fact that you had eight complete strangers uh, after a few hours. Mm -hmm. um, I saw relationships forging and I saw um, people loosening up and being more open and honest Mm -hmm. during that session. So I think small groups, a safe space and trusted environment. And I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a reminder, even though I said interpersonal um, one on one moving to community, really, in order to address the community, we have to go back to the interpersonal one on one uh, small group dynamic that has a ripple effect on on everyone else. And and even though we're talking about, you know, perhaps a community, you can substitute the word workplace or organization or, you know, any entity that has a lot of diverse people yes. who might be in conflict. So it applies across a lot of environments. Right. I want to ask you specifically, since I have you, about neighborhood disputes, since that's part of what you do with Forward with Purpose. Um, and in my short time as a mediator and doing mediations, I've only been involved in one tenant dispute. And I'm sure that that's going to change over time. <laughs> but um, <laughs> this one was, I would, I would consider it a very common, maybe even stereotypical neighbor dispute where it was two neighbors in an apartment building that had very poor soundproofing. And the upstairs neighbor had several active children who were bothering the neighbor downstairs. Sound familiar? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and anyone who's lived in an apartment, which is probably most people at some point in their lives, um, can identify with that challenge of noisy or less than courteous neighbors. 
And just like the other question, that can extend and even include our work neighbors in the cubicle over. What approach do you recommend for addressing these types of issues? I guess addressing them uh, as a as someone that's in the issue. If I was one of the neighbors, is that mm-hmm. yeah, well, yeah? Okay. So I'll give a, a a quick example of a time that I helped a uh, um, two neighbors in the same situation. Uh, upstairs neighbor um, and downstairs neighbor didn't get along. I ended up doing some conflict coaching uh, with each of them. Um, prior to even meeting with them. And and the reason I ended up, I drove up to Upper Michigan to meet with them on a Saturday. And the reason I went to meet with them because I, because I saw that they were really holding on to the issue. They weren't able to separate the people from the problem. And so they had this hostility towards each other. And one lived on top of the other for a year. And the, and the conflict started day of move-in when the um, gentleman downstairs moved in because of all the noise during the move-in. I guess the neighbor upstairs yelled at him. Mm-hmm. And from there on out, that relationship was um, pretty much in, in conflict. Um, mm-hmm. And so it got to a point of the property manager reached out to me because she was concerned that it was going to escalate to violence. So Talking to them over the phone, I, I, you know, I realized that they weren't really going to be violent with one another. They just really didn't like each other. And one thought the other was intentionally making noise just to upset him. Yeah. So the guy downstairs thought the guy upstairs was banging his cup on the floor, on the tile floor, different times of the day. Um, one, to wake him up or two, during his favorite programs when he's watching TV. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, <laughs> So, you know, so I went out and I met with each of them. And so I had a mediation with the two of them and I facilitated the dialogue and they both came in very firm in their position. You know, this is I'm not going to lose this. My issue is is valid. And they just really needed to have a safe space to be heard and and be validated. And through that discussion, we come to find out. And it was actually the gentleman upstairs that asked a question during the conversation. He said, you know, so this noise you're hearing, it's it's sound. What does it sound like? And how often do you hear it? OK, you hear it at night. You hear it in the morning. He said, you know what? I think it might be. It might be the pipes in the wall, because <laughs> when I turn my hot water on, I can hear the pipes banging in the wall. Mm. Like there's air in the pipes. And of course, the gentleman downstairs thought that was just not possible. Mm-hmm. He, he really was still holding on to, well, I think you're doing it on purpose. And I think you're hitting a cup on the floor. So, you know, a little bit later, I, I offered the suggestion. I said, well, do you want to test this theory and see if this is possibly it? Let's explore, you know, what this, you know, different things to see if we can figure this out. I'm here in Michigan. I'm in no rush to drive back. So, you know, whatever I can do while I'm here, let, let me help. And and don't you know, we went over and the gentleman went downstairs and the guy upstairs would turn his hot water on. And the guy downstairs, he started yelling. I hear it. He's doing it. <laughs> you hear this clang, clang, clang. <laughs> you hear this clang, clang, clank. And the thing with this is that that issue, that wasn't addressed early on. And so there was a whole year of tension, people living with this tension and and when it was something so simple, mm-hmm. something neither one of them, you know, it was it was that the barrier was communication and, and no one got involved to really help facilitate that. Or, you know, the gentleman downstairs didn't ask the question um, because there was he felt like it was a hostile environment. He thought that, the you know, he knew the guy upstairs was doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't able to separate the problem from the person. So I think that just just to, I'm not sure if I answered your question, but I think it's just exploring the possibility 
that it's something more than what you think it could be. And, you know, and if it is, and maybe the neighbor upstairs, they, maybe they don't know that that noise is being created. Maybe they don't know that when they're pulling their chair out, that it's, it's running across the floor and that it creates this echo effect and you're hearing it downstairs like it's maybe 20 times louder than what they hear, right. you know? So, you know, giving the benefit of the doubt and ask and, and just approaching it a different way could could help. Um, resolve those types of issues. So say I'm the neighbor downstairs, and it's, you know, the first week that we've been in this apartment building together, or even we've been in it for a while. And I have a complaint such as, you know, there's, there's a lot of noise coming from upstairs, and I can't tell what it's coming from. But all I know is that it's driving me insane. So I make my way you know, up the stairs to go knock on this neighbor's door. How would you suggest I start that conversation? I would first make sure that you know, one, you feel comfortable addressing this on your own. Um, you know, and I say that these gentlemen should have, if they could have talked with one another. But, you know, again, there could have been more to that story. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't want to suggest that people go and knock on their neighbor's door if they're not feeling comfortable doing that. And maybe they have mm-hmm. to reach out to a property manager or a mediator or, or someone to help facilitate that. Um, so if you but if you are comfortable and, and you feel like, it, you know, this is something that you're comfortable addressing, maybe knock on the door and, you know, say, you know, hey, I just wanted to talk to you. I happen to notice that. During certain times of the day, there's a there's a banging sound coming from your apartment. And I don't even know if it's coming from your apartment, but I just know that it sounds like it is. And I just want to talk to you and see if you've experienced anything or if you, if you hear anything and, and just engage them, at, you know, with the question and don't point the finger like you're doing this. Help, approach it with a, a troubleshooting hat, I guess. Um, help them be the problem solver as well. Mm-hmm. You know, engage them and let them help you solve the problem. And, you know, sometimes it's more obvious. Maybe, you know, there's yelling or loud music. And and at that point, maybe you could just share that maybe they didn't realize, but it's very, it, it, you know, I'm not sure how loud it sounds up here, but downstairs for some reason, it, it, it's really loud during certain times of the day when you're playing it. I'm not sure if this is the soundproofing. I'm not sure if, the, you know, we need to have some other barrier on the floor to help soundproof it, but it doesn't sound, it sounds pretty loud. I'm not sure if um, there's any way you could keep it down a little bit or, um, or maybe they can explore different ways uh, or different times of the day when it's more appropriate to have it turned up or, or even turned down. Um, so exploring different solutions and helping them be a part of that solution. Yeah. And, and it seems like it comes back to make it about the problem, not the people as well, because we can immediately jump to their music is too loud. What an inconsiderate jerk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which can completely block yes. that creativity. And that happens. And, you know, they don't care about anyone. They're being disrespectful. Um, exactly. But, you know, if you, if you approach it and, and, and let them help you solve the problem, that's a first step, I think, in helping it. Um, and, and that's your neighbor, too, because, you know, and again, this is someone that you live next to. And so there may be other things down the road. Think about that relationship, right? So, um, mm-hmm. you know, you, it may be noise today, but there may be other things that you'll want to, you know, talk to them about down the road, maybe who knows what that could be. Um, but yeah. just, um, just think about that. This is someone that you're living very close to. So, you know, it, it's worth looking at that as like a relationship. And how do you want that to look six months from now, a year from now? Yeah, That's a great point that it's, it's not just about the conflict, but it's about the overall relationship. And you never know when you're going to need each other for something. You're investing in that just by yeah. not pointing the finger and, ex- and helping explore 
the solution, helping explore possibilities with them. Um, I think that that is an investment into that relationship. So, Well, going at it from another angle, and I'm guessing the, there's a lot of overlap perhaps with this answer, but I also wanted to acknowledge like if you live in a house, you know, you might think, okay, I'm done with <laughs> the noisy neighbor upstairs stomping around or whatever, but that doesn't necessarily go away even if you're in a, you know, a single person dwelling, you know. And say you have a concern about something that's going on with a fellow homeowner. It might be the noisy dog or a loud party, or even they're not taking care of their property. And those are all topics that it seems like if you approach it just the wrong way, they can come across as like a personal attack or a judgment on that person. How can you go about navigating that kind of situation? I would suggest if you have a neighbor, um, and I, I would approach it the same way. Look at it like there, it's a relationship mm-hmm. you're investing in, and let them be a part of the solution and, and empower them to help fix the issue as well. So, you know, if it's an, if it's noise, know what your local noise ordinances are, and and you know, I guess educate yourself on knowing what's acceptable. Are you supposed to have your loud music down by a certain time or mm-hmm. are there rules on you know maintaining your lawn or your your tree limbs if they're hanging over the property line kind of know what those are and i think that'll help you when you go into the conversation kind of knowing things that you could talk about and, and suggest i guess but approach it you know don't put yourself in an unsafe situation if you feel safe doing it, you know, you could always go knock on the door and have that conversation. I've known people to be, um, to send letters. Mm -hmm. If they didn't feel like um, walking next door, didn't feel like they didn't know how that would turn out, um, they would send a letter. I've heard of it being successful. Um, They took some of the emotion out of it. Maybe they were really upset, but by writing it down, um, they were able to, you know, write it down, go back, look at it, you know, modify it a little bit when they weren't really angry and then sending it over to their neighbor and, and there were situations I've um, talked to people about where that's been helpful and, and that's worked. And, and in one particular situation, was, it was the tree limbs hanging over the property line. And during the fall, all the leaves would fall mm-hmm. um, in the neighbor's yard. And, it, and, a, and they ended up raking more leaves than the neighbor yep. who had the tree yep. in their yard. <laughs> it's so funny because that actually came into a mediation that I was part of a few months ago. Where that was one of the issues. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so they, mm-hmm. they said, Hey, you know, I'm, you know, I have a very busy schedule and I, I, you know, I really love this neighborhood. I love the upkeep of the, the lawn in this neighborhood. And they use that as their approach. You know, we're very busy. We just wanted to see if there's, you know, we love the trees. We think they're beautiful. Is there any way that maybe you could help us um, either trim some of the, you know, limbs back or maybe help us <laughs> here and there clean up some of the leaves. Mm-hmm. So just looking at it, like, you know, look, you're not the problem. Um, and the trees aren't really the problem. It's just the, the cleanup was the issue and, and the lack of being able to get out there and clean up as much as they would want to. Yeah, so. excellent example. And it's also an example of something that sounds so small, <laughs> right? Yes. Leaves in my yard, but they're not my leaves, you know, <laughs> and I don't have time for them. You know, how quickly something like that could escalate. Yes. If we don't address it early on, it can, it's also something that could build up resentment and you could find yourself several autumns later, all of a sudden just blowing a gasket (laughs) because you've just had enough. And that neighbor probably had no idea. So even the smallest things 
that, that that doesn't mean we need to be all nitpicky and stuff. But if you find yourself feeling that tension and feeling that conflict, it's worth exploring and then, you know, saying, okay, so what's really going on here? Is it the leaves or is it my time? Is it their unawareness? Is it, you know, what's the real issue and, and being able to address that? So as we close here, I'm I'm curious for anyone listening, do you have any bottom line, your best advice for someone listening to help them have better conversations, particularly with their neighbors? And that, as we've said, that can be your living neighbor or your work neighbor. I think you have a shared interest. I'm sure your neighbors want to live in a clean, safe, respectable environment and understand that you have more things in common than you do have differences you're going to see that there are differences no matter where you live. Think about how addressing it is going to affect a long-term relationship. When you approach any kinds of issues with your neighbors, just just know that this is um, there's an ongoing relationship there. Whether you want it or not, they're still going to be living in close proximity to you. So I guess for the sake of uh, creating a harmonious community, just you know, understand that we all have more in common than we don't. Yeah. Yeah, that's a an excellent point, and it's it's true for everything from that one on one to the the broader society. Yes, to help us see one another as fellow human beings on the journey. Yes, and um, keeping that in mind as we share with one another. Well, you know, Derek, thank you so much for um, your insight and some really valuable lessons here. I'm particularly going to remember people over problem or no, 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 I take that back. Well, you know something, care about the person. (laughs) And separate the people from the problem. And address the problem, not indict the person. (laughs) Right, right. So that's that's one that I think is a valuable lesson for all of us. So where can we learn more about Forward with Purpose, Inc.? Yes, you could go to our website. It's www.forward, and that's with the number four, forward, W-A-R-D, ahead.com. So www.forwardahead.com. And that's um, a landing page for both our our company website, Forward with Purpose, Inc., and also our Walking for Change website, um, which is our homeless awareness initiative, um, which launched um, in 2018 and we'll be doing every year. And it's that walk from Cleveland to Washington, D.C., uh, raising awareness on the issues of homelessness. And we're looking to you know, expand that and grow it, get more participation from people out in the community. Um, and it's having that dialogue. It's talking about the issues that create homelessness. It's mm-hmm. every year we want to highlight, address different problems um, that are out in the community that are creating this homelessness and, and, and preventing us from being able to end homelessness. So this year, I really wanted to put a focus on youth homelessness um, and the issues in schools and in our community when families have unstable housing. So please yeah, check out our website and there's a way that you can get involved. Um, if you go to www.forwardahead.com, there at the bottom of the page, you can schedule um, some time um, to talk with me and we can explore different ways that you can get involved in either Forward with Purpose or um, with our Walking for Change initiative. So please uh, reach out. Um, you know, we're really, um, 2018, we brought the company up off the ground and we're really trying to make this um, something special throughout all the communities and not just in Ohio, but beyond. And I think that uh, we could uh, we could really uh, make a difference and help build strong communities. So, yeah, 
Yeah, thank you so much. And and I will make sure that there's a link to that on the episode webpage, as well as a link to ways to find mediation centers in your community. Because if you're not in the Ohio area, then um, that's like you said, that's a good way to to start yourself getting connected with either organizations that have a similar mission to yours, or you might uncover something else that is of interest. So I'll make sure that people can connect. So thank you so much, Derek. Um, and thank you so much for the work you're doing. It's extremely important, um, both in the realm of helping people find stable housing and stay in that housing, as well as helping people have more civil conversations and respectful dialogue. So thank you. Thank you. I'm honored to do this work. And I thank you for this podcast. And I thank you for inviting me to talk about these types of issues. And, and I hope to be a participant again in the near future. Remember to visit HowCanIsayThis.com for links that will connect you with Derek and his organization, Forward With Purpose. And while you're there, sign up for the new weekly newsletter to receive more communication tips and resources straight to your inbox. When you sign up, you'll also receive a link to a free guide about giving and receiving feedback. Here's the call to action for you based on today's conversation with Derek. The next time you're feeling conflict bubbling to the surface, take a moment to separate the problem from the person. Sometimes we get in our own way because we see the person as what needs to be fixed instead of the problem. When we do that, we take the chance of sounding like we're personally attacking the other person instead of tackling the problem. It's true that there might be something to discuss about that person's behavior or choices. If possible, however, separate that out and see if you can make that a different conversation. In the spirit of coming to a resolution, see if you can set aside your personal feelings about the other person. That includes both positive and negative feelings. Feeling love or affection for someone can stop us from addressing important issues just as much as feeling fear or contempt. It's challenging to apply this filter. It won't come naturally. I invite you to try anyway. Even if you can only do it just a little bit, it will help you both be able to focus on the issue at hand and lessen the possibility that the other person will feel personally attacked. As Derek and I touched on at the end, this isn't about dismissing the other person as a human being. It's always important to remember that you're talking to someone who has feelings and concerns of their own. That's why it's helpful to approach such problem-solving conversations with curiosity. By asking questions rather than making accusations, you increase the chances of coming to some sort of agreement. For most episodes of How Can I Say This, I like to feature communication conundrums that listeners submit. And through the course of the podcast, I and my guests offer ideas and resources for how you can resolve them. If you have a question for How Can I Say This?, You are invited to submit it for a future episode, and you'll find the online submission form at HowCanIsayThis.com. You can also leave a text or a voicemail 24-7 at 562-704-6643. You'll find that number on the Submit a Question page on the website. And finally, you can send me your question directly to Beth at HowCanIsayThis.com. And as always, no matter how you submit a question, you have the choice to share your name or you can be completely anonymous if you like. If you enjoy this podcast, I invite you to share it with your family, friends, and colleagues. I also ask that you take a moment to leave a review on iTunes or whatever platform that you listen through. When you are looking for content, you probably pay attention to what people are saying about it. Their reviews help you to decide if it's worth your time. 
I invite you to be a resource for others by letting them know what you think. You can find links that tell you how to leave a review in the footer of any page at HowCanIsayThis.com. This is Beth Bilo, and you've been listening to How Can I Say This? Our podcast producer is Paul Messing, and our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously. Courageously.